Hello and welcome to another episode of the Aptcast, where iron sharpens iron and we poke each other with the pointy ends. I'm your host, West, joined as always by my partner, Alex. How's it going, buddy? Hey, fam. What's up, happy people? Always with the happy people, man. I swear. Well, maybe they're still happy after hearing me rant and rave with you for the last four and a half hours of episodes. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. And uh, actually, it's good that you mentioned that because it's a good time to tell the listeners, hey, as, as much fun as the Tulip series has been, uh, the impacts of COVID-19 have made it difficult to do the research necessary to have fruitful conversation around that. So this week with everything you've got going on with house hunting and your work, with everything I've got going on at work, uh, we figured we'd just mix it up a little bit. Uh, we're going to have a guest on here shortly, but first, a uh, couple of housekeeping things. New likes uh, since last we recorded. We got five, so hot dog. We're still growing. Uh, Tim Collard, uh, AJ in Trinidor. I love that name, AJ. Uh, Jennifer East, Pete Musico, uh, my brother-in-law up in Michigan. What's up, Pete? And Melanie Hartung, uh, my cousin over in Missouri. So it looks like we'll have some Michigan and Missouri downloads this week. Uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, liking the page. Or anybody else, that's facebook.com slash Podcast. Go give us a like, five stars on iTunes, all that good stuff. And without further ado, Alex, we've got a special treat for the listeners. Uh, a guy who's as smart as both of us combined and then some. He's a teacher <sighs> but, uh, for... He's a teacher for fun and profit and a, uh, an exquisite beard enthusiast. I mean, look at that fantastic beard. Oh yeah. Casey. Beastly Bill. beard. But wait, can we, can we call public education teaching for profit? Can we, can we call that profitable? <laughs> Listen, we pay his salary as residents yes, of the do. county. <laughs> but having been a teacher, I know it's trash. Even with his master's degree and national board certified, yeah, he's that smart. This is a national board teacher. Oh yeah, Casey, Sorry. he just told your master's Casey. degree trash. You gonna take that? That's not <laughs> yeah. what I said. <laughs> Typical interpretation of Wes of what I'm saying. Well, guys, thanks for having me on. I want to say hello to all the sad people that Alex continually leaves behind every week. We care about you. <laughs> Alex may not. We care about you, sad people. Dang. It's just the happy people that he talks to. <laughs> I'm just assuming everyone listening's happy, man. Hey, listen to you guys. How can you not be happy, right? Ugh. <laughs> Loaded question. Loaded question. Starts off with a loaded question. Tell you what, guys. You know, uh, we've been friends for for quite a while, and I've known I've known Alex longer. I've known Wes, but uh, yeah, you, I've never known three people to fit together quite as well as we do. Uh, you know, it's usually me between you two guys uh, when our families go out. Break it up. Yeah, going out to going out to dinner. My wife actually tells me I'm supposed to sit between y'all two. <laughs> so. That's why you do it. Exactly. Yeah, of course I do. Yeah. Oh, we got Nicole now. Secrets out, Nicole. Secrets out. <laughs> no, no, the real reason that, she says that is because neither she nor Ashley want to hear us talk for hours about things that are just whew, over their head. <laughs> They're short. Everything's uh, over their head. That. They don't listen I'm, to this I'm show. I'm glad my wife does not listen to this show. <laughs> no, no. 
They're not going to listen to this show. <laughs> not even with you on, Casey? I, they don't no. like listening to us in person. Why would they intentionally listen to us when they're not with us? <laughs> to, to be fair, though, two of the three of us actually teach on Sundays at, in our Bible study class. So they willingly subject themselves to these kind of conversations. Tis true, tis true, because these are not unusual. Yeah, Nicole winds up doodling most of the time, though. She'll catch a, <laughs> so does she'll catch something here and there. <laughs> That's why she turns my note sheets over. She, she's not taking extra notes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. She's usually drawing flowers or puppy dogs, that kind of thing. Tulips. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, Casey, we, we uh, love the idea of having you on. One, as to kind of help give us a break. Two, just to uh, have just a relaxing discussion. It's been a stressful time for, uh, I think, a lot of people, us included, with uh, this COVID-19 thing going on. And you, as a public school teacher, uh, probably have uh, some unique insight to some of the impacts of COVID-19. What's, what's been going on with your job uh, towards the end of the semester? Well, uh, just to let your listeners know, I am, uh, I'm not a regular teacher. I am a band director. Um, so my responsibilities are a little bit different from, uh, gen ed classes. Um, but, uh, you know, we still, uh, as teachers, we're still working, um, where you have, uh, office hours every single day. Uh, ours in particular is nine to 12. And that is a time for kids to get in touch with us. We're supposed to be available at any time. So it's like being on call, you know, like a, a nurse or a doctor or anybody like that would be on call at any moment we can have. Uh, a kid, you know, log into our WebEx classroom and, and say, hey, I need to talk to you about such and such, you know, ask a question about this, that, and the other. Um, I've already had a, several of those with students. And, uh, you know, for instance, one kid uh, texted me in saying, hey, I need to meet you in the in the classroom. So we signed on. He's sitting there holding his baritone in pieces. And he's like, uh, I don't know how to put this back together. He said the valve wasn't working, so I took it apart. Now I have no idea how to put this back together. So here I am coaching this kid on on the website how to put a, a set of baritone valves back together and then back into the horn so he can continue playing. Holy yeah, so there's been some challenges with that. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, we've as teachers, what we're trying to do right now is make sure the kids are okay and they've got some kind of sense of normalcy throughout this whole thing. Because for a kid, you know, I mean, you see how tough it is on adults a lot adjusting these kind of things. When a kid, you know, doesn't fully understand the kind of things that are going on, uh, it can it can be, you know, a frightening situation for them. So what we as teachers are just trying to do is is uh, be there for the kids, talk to them. Uh, majority of the conversations I had with kids are not about band. Uh, it's not about their classes. It's just about things that they're going on, uh, you know, things that they have uh, experienced. I ask them, you know, what are you doing for fun? Um, who have you seen? How do you talk to your friends? What kind of things you've been doing? Uh, you know, and, and really when I talk to them, I try to avoid, you know, have you done your math? Have you done your science? Have you done, you know, that kind of thing. But it's all about how are you doing? How is your family doing? Uh, so we're really just, our role right now is we're just checking in on the kids. As far as the education process goes, um, my district, we have been instructed that we're not supposed to teach anything new. It's all supposed to be review. Um, and the, the grades have been frozen. Um, so the kids, their annual, their, you know, the yearly grade is going to be a, an, an average of the first three, nine weeks. 
Um, so this this last portion doesn't even count. We're not even taking, uh, they're not even being graded on it. Um, the regular education classroom teachers are giving assignments of uh, computer-based mainly, um, but we also have the ability to, to give kids paper packets for those that don't have access to the technology. Um, and those are being, you know, quote-unquote graded, uh, but it's not going in as an actual grade. Um, it's really more just to keep the kids sharp for when they're, you know, getting ready for next year. Um, now my, you know, I've got a nine-year-old daughter and she's in a, a different school district than I teach in. And uh, they, what they've done with theirs is they are continuing. And she's in the third grade and that's a really important grade. So they've continued teaching and uh, they've continued teaching new things. And so my wife and I have been kind of tag teaming on that. She's more of the the math person. I'm more of the English person. So, you know, we kind of divide and conquer it with that. And what they've done with their grades is instead of penalizing the kids if they don't do the work, they give basically giving them bonus percentage points if they do it. Um, so if they, um, if they complete all the work, and, and I don't think it really matters to what degree, as long as it's attempted and, and, you know, the kids are showing effort there, they're adding percentage points to their final grade. They're still getting their average based on the first three, nine weeks. But, you know, say they get a, you know, an 82 for average for the first three, nine weeks, but they do all the work during the quarantine, they're going to add, add, give them an 86. They're going to add four extra percentage points to it. So there's some benefit there. It can't hurt them if they don't do it, but there is some tangible benefit for them actually doing it. So there's, you know, as far as grades are concerned, that's that's a good thing for the kids. It keeps them motivated. So you mentioned in a lot of the classes that they're not teaching new material. Is that also the case for like your sciences and your math, where the next year is going to directly build on what's taught this year, whereas in English or a history, you know, they may miss some facts or some details on how to write a paper. It's not necessarily going to directly build on the previous year. How, how are they dealing with that? Um, that's going to be one of the big challenges that we face this summer. Um, okay. Knowing where the kids are. Um, typically, and, and Alex, you know this from, from teaching, the first you know several weeks of the nine weeks is just catching the kids back up because they're brain dead after summer anyway. Yeah. Uh, so you've got to catch the kids back up yeah. with, with what they knew. And, you know, I usually spend the first nine weeks reteaching what I taught in the previous nine weeks anyway, um, just to, to reinforce those materials before we can move on to, to really some new stuff. Um, so there's, you know, that's one of the big hurdles that they're going to have to face. Uh, and, you know, when, and the kids, the ones that I'm really concerned about are the kids that are in the transitions from like eighth to ninth grade, going from middle school to high school, or going from fifth grade to sixth grade, from elementary to, to middle school. Um, those kind of things where the teachers don't know them and, it's a new environment and, you know, and all those things. So it's, you know, that's going to be one of those things that the departments of the individual feeder patterns are going to have to get together and discuss. Here's what we covered. Here's where the kids are. This is where you need to pick up. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that they'll kind of ease up on the standardized testing for next year um, and just really focus on getting the kids caught up and being where they need to be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing I thought about immediately so much of the class and the coursework, especially in Alabama's course of studies, is in the core subjects at least teaching to the test. You know, yeah. And 
the class structure, at least in person, requires so much of that time to be focused on the more special needs students, uh, IEP, 504 plans, kids who don't necessarily have a plan but don't learn like the average of the class. Um, it's going to be interesting to see whether they hold specific schools or districts to those standardized tests for the next couple of years, right? I mean, with with subjects like math, where pre-algebra and algebra lead you into trigonometry, and then uh, algebra two and pre-calculus directly, the, the skills directly build on each other, yeah. it's going to be difficult for you to have an anything remotely representative of you know, the quality of teaching that went on because you missed a third of the year, almost third Third of the year. I mean, by the time March, April and half of May, because in some of those classes, you're teaching right up to that final test. Yeah. And for high school students or anybody who's on the block schedule, they've they've missed half the course. That's true. Yeah. um, Shades Valley, my my alma mater still does the, the scheduling. Uh, type deal and so their b semester is virtually wiped out thankfully naomi has like a day b day so she's had kind of a mix going through the whole year so she's missed about what you would normally miss um from from that perspective but as uh as a student at the ib you know still in the same district as uh as, as you teach in they're actually still doing new material or up until this past week um, which is kind of interesting to see how in different spots they're doing it differently. So with middle middle and high schoolers, that importance is maybe jacked up, whereas maybe a third grader uh, can get by without learning as, as many new things. But that fifth grader going into middle school, that eighth grader going into high school, like that's really important to make sure that they're ramped up and ready to go. Yeah, those transition periods are really, really important. Um, and, you know, Alex, you, were meant, you mentioned the, uh, the students have IEPs and 504s and those kind of accommodations. That's a really big deal because uh, that, that IEP, that 504, that's a legal document, and it has to be followed. Um, so they've, they've got to find ways to make accommodations for those kids. And, you know, I taught several self-contained students in my classes where I was the only class that they had that was outside of their, uh, their teacher's classroom. And uh, it's it's really important that you you have to follow those guidelines. Um, and I've seen a lot of gaps. Uh, one of my really good friends on Facebook is a special needs attorney. Uh, he 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 left mm-hmm. his normal law practice to get into special needs school uh, support, but because of his own daughter's uh, lack of support from her school district several several years ago, and he runs uh, a kind of like a podcast, but he posts answers to questions from special needs students, parents on social media. And one of the first things he said when all this started was, you know, give the teachers and the districts some grace because they're learning as much as you are how to deal with this online. And uh, after several weeks of answering questions and recommending ways of to make sure that they work together, not as a uh, c- uh, combative uh, with the schools and the districts and the teachers' nature to support their kids. He pointed several 
situations where kids, and obviously for uh, privacy reasons, kids' names aren't given in situations like that. But he pointed to several situations where they just were failing to support these kids. And, you know, when you go from classroom time, you were talking about self-contained students. Uh, how do you just overnight come up with a plan for how to support dozens or hundreds of students in a single school, right? I, I mean, I can't imagine being in your shoes supporting a self-contained student whose only uh, normal class is yours. Please give us some insight on how it's how it's been a struggle for y'all. <laughs> oh yeah, it's absolutely been a struggle. I mean, the but you know the 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 thing about teachers and you know this very well, they are creative people, yeah. and they are brilliant at problem solving. Um, and so you know we've come together. I know we've come together several times as a faculty uh, to get together and try to create plans. Um, the other band directors in my district, we get together weekly to talk about how we're going to overcome some of the problems that we're going to face. Um, a lot of those questions that are coming up that could really, really uh, make a difference in our programs. Um, but yeah, the the you know the special ed teachers at our schools and, and really all schools, they're just rock stars. I mean, the stuff that they have to do um, paperwork-wise and then the kind of students that they deal with and then the parents that they deal with... Um, you know, you never know what you're going to get. I've, I've I had a student that um, her, his mother threatened to kill the, uh, uh, on more, more than one time, threatened to kill the, the special ed teacher for telling her certain things. Um, and, uh, you know, they just take it with a grain of salt and keep moving. You know, I mean, they're, they're rock stores. They, they, I have utmost of admiration for them. Um, and that's, you know, that's just one of the, the, the series of problems that we're going to be facing in the, in the coming future of, of how we're going to try to continue doing the kind of things that we're doing, uh, what new things we're going to do. And, and one of the main hurdles that we're facing right now is kids without technology. Um, you know, because we have all kinds of technological platforms, uh, Google Classroom, WebEx, all kinds of things where we can get things instantly to kids. Assignments, that's how I've been doing assignments for my band kids is, is through Google Classroom. Um, you know, and, and all kinds of other web-based platforms, technology-based platforms. But then you got the kid uh, whose parents run a junkyard. They live in the junkyard. Um, they don't even have a phone that will that they can send emails on. You know, how are you going to educate that kid? How are you going to get that materials to them? You know, you can't go around individually to each student that's like that. You know, the the school that I work in, we have almost a thousand middle schoolers. And, you know, you, you, we just don't have the manpower or time to be able to go around to each individual student to do that kind of thing. So, you know, we've got a lot of hurdles to, to cross here. And, um, you know, trust me, we are putting our heads together like crazy uh, in departments and, and, and as a faculty as a whole. Um, and just trying to figure out anticipating problems and then coming up with possible solutions. And, you know, it can be frustrating because... One day we get an email saying, this is how we're going to do this. And then hour and a half later, we get an email that says, no, scratch that. We're going to try to do it this way. And then the next day we get another email that says, no, that didn't work. We're going to try to do it this way. You know, and it's just, we're just coming up with as many ideas as we possibly can and, and throwing things out there and seeing what sticks. Yeah. It's a constantly evolving situation. I think uh, all of us work either for fairly large 
companies or a, a large school district where you've got so many different moving parts and you've got not only how to deal with the now, but after now. And uh, interesting you, you bring up parent relations. And, and I know you're not a spokesperson for, for the district or anything like that, but what insight can you give us as far as uh, maybe what the parent-teacher uh, associations are doing to help kind of bridge that gap between students and teachers for, for the upcoming year? Uh, our, our, our PTA is, has been doing a good job as far as, uh, you know, reaching out to the teachers and everything. But um, unfortunately, they're just not a very large group. Uh, we have a lot of parents who are uninvolved, shall we say. Um, and so, you know, us as teachers, each one of us, and like every single teacher, every single member of the faculty and staff, have what we call an advisory class. And it's about 18, 19, 20 students that we're supposed to be getting in contact with on a weekly basis. Uh, so we're calling these parents, we're texting them, we're, you know, doing WebEx and various other means to, to com- uh, conversate with them. Um, and majority of it, that's how we're kind of bridging that gap. We're, we're trying to reach out to those parents, get them get them involved, let them know what's going on. We have various other forms of communication that can be sent out en masse to, to all the parents. Um, and it's it, it actually is to the point where there's so much communications. I've had parents ask me not to call them. <laughs> Say, we've, we've got it, please, you know, because his math teacher's calling, and his science teacher's calling, and his history, t- his PE teacher is calling. Now, you know, I've got kids that I don't, even, I don't even teach in my advisory class, and I'm calling them too. So they're getting, you know, six, seven, eight phone calls a week from, you know, and there's just not that much information coming out. So, you know, um, we're, we're doing a lot of, of communication as much as we possibly can. Um, just right now, there's just so much uncertainty, we don't know what to communicate. Your entire paradigm's changed. It's, it's hard to adjust to that. Yeah. I mean, even even if we consider it's been over two months since our state's governor uh, canceled schools for the foreseeable future, that's still overnight for shifting your entire paradigm for how you teach. Right? Two months. Yeah. Yeah. When when you were spent four years or six years or eight years, if you're at the doctoral level learning how to teach and then you spent however however many years or decades teaching in a classroom and you're not one of those rare teachers whose entire classroom is a flipped classroom or a virtual online classroom those i see those a lot in my last job before joining johnson controls a couple of years ago if you're not one of those teachers your entire career has been pretty much the opposite of what we're doing right now so two months is overnight just in how you do that yeah my i you know i joke a lot that that my job i I spend teaching techniques that have been around for hundreds of years you know i'm a a band director i teach wind instruments that you know they've they've been around forever (laughs) and so now i'm supposed to do that virtually how how is that gonna work you know so we're all we're all struggling trying to figure out you know what can we do for these kids to help uh you know and and in our situation uh, a lot of the kids participate in band or choir or things like that because they want to be with other kids, uh, you know, and, and singing is, is part of that or playing an instrument is part of that. Um, and now it's just them and their instruments. So how do we keep that motivation together? How do we keep that sense of family together to keep the kids in the programs and, and enjoying doing what they do? 
that's that's a struggle. It's a big time struggle. Uh, my wife is a choir director and and a, a popping good one. She's she does some great stuff, and she is working right now with her choir kids, um, trying to do some of the you know the virtual choir stuff where she has one kid sing a part and then they record another kid singing that same you know singing a different part along with that and you know she's learning that technology and all that stuff but still you know those things that you see on on Facebook or YouTube of, of this mass choir singing and they're all you know that that takes hours and hours and hours of work to do just that one simple video uh, and I've seen her go through that process and and trying to do that with band I mean you know I can't imagine how we're going to make it work. Um, it's going to have to be a series of individual lessons. And I've got 160 kids in my band program right now. And, and I'm, you know, I, I, if, if I give, you know, 10 minutes to, to each kid, you do the math on that. That's a, a lot of time invested in just individual lessons. And, and that, you know, it's just, we're, we've got a lot of hurdles coming. Um, there was a, a, a big forum, I think it may have been last night or the night before, uh, where, you know, without spouting off a bunch of different uh, alphabet soup type things, a bunch of choir folks got together with uh, a bunch of uh, medical professionals. And essentially, you know, they're trying to figure out how much space would an individual singer need to not be able to spread the virus from one person to the other. And, and, they're, and they're looking at, at spacing out 12 to 15 feet you know if you've got if you've got 50 kids in your choir which is not uncommon and you're supposed to each individual supposed to be 15 feet what are you going to sing on the football field (laughs) you know i mean that that's you know and it, it came down to some of them were saying well we just don't need to have choir for the next two years you know that was like the worst case scenario thing they came up with yeah yeah and so there's a bunch of people freaking out over that kind of thing um, and that's, you know, that's a matter of public record. So I'm not sharing anything, uh, proprietary there, but you know, those are the kind of, of hurdles we've got to get over is figuring out how are we going to do this under this new situation? Um, well, it's also no secret that when there's any kind of budgetary constraints, it's typically the fine arts programs that are the hardest hit by cutbacks. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's, it's, what I do is expensive. Um, you know, there's, uh, in, in my band room, and now we're just a middle school and, you know, I've got, like I said, about 150 kids in there, but in my middle school, there's probably about 250 to $300,000 worth of instruments. Wow. Um, you know, I, uh, we, I got an allotment from the, the, the district this year and with, uh, with $15,000, they gave me $15,000. I bought six instruments <laughs> just to give you. I used to work at arts music. I know how expensive those things oh, are. Oh yeah. 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 Uh huh. Oh yeah. So you're, you're familiar. Yeah. That's a, I know, you know, uh, I have a little bit of a music background, not like you two, but my saxophone, it was a cheap secondhand Yamaha. I think it was a Yamaha. Yeah, it was a Yamaha in 1992. Two, you're old. I know. In 1992, <laughs> that secondhand cheap style Yamaha, it had been reconditioned with new pads. Uh, 
was fifteen hundred dollars. Yep, that's about right. Yeah. In nineteen ninety two, the cheap second hand, cheap style Yamaha, not a major fancy uh you know, professional quality unit. <sighs> I mean, it didn't even look nice. It, w- it it hadn't been repolished or refinished. It had <laughs> new leather pads on it. Other than that, it was totally secondhand. Uh, man, I couldn't imagine needing to buy new instruments today. Yeah, and they're not as they're not as good quality either. Yeah, but uh, you know, we digress. Um, so yeah, I mean, like you said, budgetary concerns, man. It's if in, in all honesty, if what I do was not linked to the football team around here, uh, we would be gone quickly. You know, if the, if the football team didn't want a, a marching band at halftime, we we would be gone quickly, probably quicker than choir would be, because choir's cheap. Mm. Yeah. Now, is 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 your county? I almost said the name there. I don't know if we need to do that. <laughs> uh, is your county incorporating arts in the STEM program, calling it STEAM? You know, some some districts around the country have expanded STEM to include arts and call it STEAM instead. I hadn't kept up uh, with your district enough to know if they're doing that. Yeah, they haven't as yet. Um, they've right. always been really supportive of the arts, but as yeah. far as, you know, putting it up to that level, they haven't made that kind of commitment to it. Okay. Yeah, that was an interesting trend. Um, I think I've mentioned this in previous episodes, Wes, but my last job before joining Johns Controls was exclusively supporting K-12 and higher ed. And it was interesting the types of school districts that made that leap of changing from STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and math, to STEAM, which added arts into the acronym. So uh, it's really interesting to see that. Did we lose Wes? Yeah, we lost Wes momentarily. Good, now we can talk about him behind his back. <laughs> We talk about it into his face. Why we need to talk about it about his head? <laughs> Too funny. Uh, so what what advice would you give listeners who don't homeschool like we do, whose kids are at home, or in general uh, for people who may not even have kids to support their teachers and their friends and family who do have kids at home? Uh what do we need to be aware of? How could we be helping both teachers and the students, the parents of students who aren't used to this new paradigm? Well, I would say speaking to the parents specifically now is take this time to be with your kids. Uh, take this time to invest in them. Um, you know, if you don't know how to teach math, that's fine. You don't know how to teach math. It's okay. You don't know how the difference between an adverb and an adjective. You know, that's okay. You can teach them something. Uh, it doesn't have to be uh, what's related in schoolwork. It, it needs to be real life. You know, yeah. my daughter, uh, you know, she's nine years old, and she's very smart. Um, and we took her fishing for the first time yesterday. Never had the time before to take her fishing. Um, I started giving her uh, uh, shooting lessons with the BB gun that I first learned on. Nice. Uh, so she, she yeah she's learning how she's learned the four rules of of good shooting, uh, good uh, safety and and all that. Um, you know things I would never have been able to teach her. Yeah. Um, and so I'd say to those parents, you know, take this time, take this opportunity to teach your kids the things that they need to know. 
You know, you can speak and write without knowing what an adjective is. I mean, yeah. it helps if you do, but there are so many things that that we as teachers can't teach those kids that are going to make the biggest difference in their lives. So I'd say to those parents, take this time to invest in your kids, spend time with them, uh, teach them the things that, that are important to your family, teach them the things that are important to your community. Uh, that's going to help them more than, than anything we can do. Uh, if, if you don't have kids, um, you know, you can, uh, you can, you can spend time investing in kids who, whose parents may be distant. Okay. Or maybe those parents, they, they're, uh, in a job where they're still working and the kids are there by themselves for the day, kind of babysitting themselves, spend some time with those kids. You know, you, you know, it takes a village, you know, that's, that's a, that's a saying that's kind of thrown around a lot, but it's absolutely true. Yeah. You know, and you could just see it when the millinders, the newborns in the hills go on a trip. It's a village. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're all taking absolutely. care of each other's kids, teaching and parenting. Yeah. Just not in the way Hillary Clinton meant it, right? In no. In place of the not, parents. <laughs> no, no, no. I ain't your daddy. That's the truth. <laughs> too funny. Too funny. Cool. Well, uh, thank you for that, man. Uh I know I've got several friends, uh, in addition to you and Nicole, who are trying to figure out how to make this work for their students. You know, that's that's one thing a lot of, uh, I criticize the public school system as a general concept uh, because I think the parents need to be more involved. But our our society as a whole kind of keeps that from being possible in a lot of cases. Uh, so I absolutely don't criticize teachers or parents who need to put their kids in public school. Uh, but, you know, now that we're being forced into that scenario, people are starting to see what the alternative might be like. Uh, man, I, I think it's good for people to see and hear the struggles y'all are dealing with, trying to continue on teaching, uh, helping these kids grow. Oh, man. I could, uh, I don't miss it at all, brother. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> I imagine being a teacher right now. I don't blame you, man. It has changed, dude. I've been in the job for 20 years now, and it is so much different now than it was when we first started. Man. That's... Um, they're, they're, the, the commitment level to education from the family is so much different uh, yeah. than 20 years ago. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's almost to the point where it's just, it's just hard to teach. Um, Wes is back. Yeah. Hi. Hey, I did stop recording. I started the recording back for you. Okay, thanks. Because I lost all of my audio uh, that I was recording, so that was fun. Oh, yeah. My computer crashed too. Fantastic. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. But yeah, this is why we can't do uh, a, a more in-depth episode because we don't have time to deal with stuff like this. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was just asking KC to give us some insight uh, as to what those of us not in his shoes could be doing right now to support the kids, support the teachers, support parents of kids for those who don't have kids in this situation. Um, you know, my kids, other than like what you mentioned, KC, the lack of uh, community, lack of socialization that they're all dealing with. Other than that, my kids teaching hasn't really changed. Math's, Will's still doing math lessons the same way he's done for the last four years every day. Uh, he's still reading and writing book reports for us with the homeschool program. 
But uh, yeah, I think I think it was very important to get that input at the end on how we could be supporting you guys and the children and the parents of those children. Wes, you got any other input or close? No, I, I think it's it, it's interesting going back to what he uh, what Casey what you said uh, early on is that very little of what you talk to kids about is academic related. Yeah, it, it's like you're you're interested in them as people, and we often forget when we talk about schooling that you know it's not just matter going through a machine like these are actual people these are kids who are developing that are struggling every bit as much as we are with this change and they're doing it different ways and Casey was 160 kids you yeah. you, you have uh in, in your I mean insane right I mean imagine trying to keep 160 different lives organized in your mind enough to have a legitimate conversation. Yeah, it's, it, it, I'll tell you, especially with my brain, not much sticks. So uh, <laughs> it's, it is difficult. I'm not going to lie to you. It's difficult. We, we had a, a, a day where we had allowed the kids to come pick up their instruments so they could have them. And uh, there were sometimes kids come walking up and like, man, I know your name. I know I do. But I hadn't seen you in a week and I can't remember what it is right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's horrible coming back from summer in a, in a normal year when I'm trying to figure out, remember what those kids' names are. But, uh, you know, I may not remember exactly what their name is, but I know who their last girlfriend was. I know what kind of family situation they live in. I, you know, those kind of things. Names don't stick, but those kind of things they, they do. Um, and that's what's important yeah. with, with most of them. Um, you know, and it's just getting to know the kids and um, just being there for them. You know, because yeah. because a lot of them, I know that they don't think they can tell their parents some things that they, that they'll that they need to tell an adult, and so just giving them opportunity to, to get that off their chest and and listen to them and and do it without judgment and doing it without, uh, you know, any kind of persecution on them for for however they're thinking and feeling. Because yeah. I, you know, I always keep in the back of my mind, you know, this is their parents have never had a middle schooler before. I've been, I've had middle schoolers for 20 years. You know, I know, I know a couple of things about how they think and what's going on in there. Um, so, you know, any way I can help those parents raise those kids, you know, I'm, I'm going to do that because that's important. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, you mentioned in your 20th year, uh, made me realize just how long I've been out of the game. I'd be in my, this would be my 17th year had I stayed in. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Life in the private sector. Man. It's more profitable. Wink, wink, Wes. Uh, yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Still the stress. Well, brother, we appreciate you joining us tonight. Hopefully, Wes had an autosave and we can get something out of it. <laughs> Otherwise, it was yeah. a good talk. <laughs> yeah. Ah, well. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, you know, technology is... Uh, gonna do what technology does, and that's what we've been talking about the whole night, right? You got to roll with the yeah. punches. Yeah, that's <laughs> what yeah. we do. Well, uh, our last episode, you and I tried to record, and I crashed. The recording was available to us afterwards, so maybe we'll get lucky. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And yeah, 
If nothing else, we can just have a uh, just an episode of outtakes just from the conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you just go. How many times we talked over each other or those long pauses with the delays waiting for somebody <laughs> to react? Uh, I was I was no, waiting the whole time for my computer to crash again, but apparently it is that bad power supply channel because it is working fine now that I swapped it out. I'm going to have to rewire a lot of stuff in there. Well, um, we've never had a guest before, so I haven't thought of any gimmicks for guests. You know, radio DJs will have different things <laughs> that they do for different guests. Yeah. So we'll have to have Casey on when we figure out a good gimmick. But given the content of what we've talked about tonight, I would like to ask, as a new voice on the show, what's we, we talk about all the negatives associated with the change. What's your favorite positive change over the last couple of months with all of this going on and we can just do a round robin yeah sure i mean you mean other than not having to wake up at 5 30 every morning <laughs> 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 not having to drive an hour to school and an hour back um you know getting this getting to spend that time with my family you know it's been a big adjustment uh with uh, my daughter being here because you know, for those open office hours from, from nine to 12 every day, mommy and daddy are at work. You know, we may be yeah. sitting here with you, but, but we're at work. And if I'm walking around the house, with my headphones on, I'm probably in an IEP meeting or a, a faculty meeting or, you know, meeting with a student or something like that. So, you know, just trying to get her to understand that, you know, for those several hours right there, you know, we're, we're unavailable, even though, you know, you're sitting there and we try to do her her schoolwork and stuff at the same time. So I'm teaching a, a, a flute lesson and the same time I'm coming over and teaching my daughter how to, you know, recognize a Pentagon and, you know, whatever else. Um, so it's, that's been a big adjustment, but you know, once those open, once those office hours are open, uh, you know, we're, we're done for the day when it's finished. So, you know, we, we get to play more and we get to have more fun. My, my daughter has spent more time outside uh, in the last two months than she has in probably the last two years, you know, wow. so we're just go, going out and having a good time and, and playing and, and all that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really the, probably the biggest positive that's come out of the whole thing. Nice. What about you, Alex? You've got a whole mess load of stuff going on. Oh man. <laughs> uh, I would have to say for me, it's having family dinners, together every night since since the quarantines have started we have had dinner together every night and in those almost two months my parents have not been with us five six times out of 60 plus days so 90 percent of the time my parents are with us either we're at their house or they're at our house and we're cooking together we're eating better saving money in the process, but it's just, yeah. mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's the enjoyment of not having the rush of normal, busy life because the son's a competitive soccer player. So we have to drive across town to take him to practice two nights a week, uh, two or three nights or days a week. He has games during season, which is fall and spring at his age. Uh, Riley, does three different out of the house things. She does gymnastics. She does uh, violin lessons and she does horseback riding training for barrel racing. 
So, man, we're constantly on the go. Uh, we we do we used to do a lot of eating out, and one of our goals after all this quarantine stuff ends is to continue cooking and eating together and eating at home, making that work within our schedule because it's it's just been enjoyable seeing the family every day and not having to run around and miss each other. You know, we we haven't actually gotten. We've been frustrated. We've had moments of explosions of uh, personality conflicts and people frustrated that they're sitting in their house all day every day. But we haven't gotten tired of each other because we're usually not seeing each other. So that's been nice. Yeah, I think I'd echo uh, the, the family connection. Um, professionally, I've been trying to, to figure out a way to get my boss to let me work from home for over a year. So the fact that that was just kind of forced on us was great in and of itself. But uh, I just got done doing a, a four-week class. And for my 15-minute break, I can go out in the front yard and throw the Frisbee with my daughter, you know, for 10, 15 minutes at a time. Uh, for my lunch break, um, like you said, we can have dinner as a family. Even though I'm still working nights because that's when we do our training, my lunch break is at dinner time. So I'm having dinner with the family, you know, it's there, there's so much that comes from just being at home yeah. and it, it, you really start to appreciate it. I mean, we, we miss not being able to like us three meet together at church or, you know, for, for midweek, uh, Bible study groups or something like that, but being able to, I mean, albeit forced initially, with, with our family, it's like, it's not just getting up early in a rush to get everybody where they need to be. It's, you can wake up, chill, enjoy the time you have with your family, you know, uh, sip that coffee instead of, you know, <laughs> burning yourself trying to get out so you can wake up enough to get out of the driveway without hitting the mailbox. You know, it's that kind of thing. And it's, it's been a real blessing to, to have the time with family and, uh, just going to go ahead and point out, I think that's one of the things that um, keeps us so well connected. Casey, you mentioned th three guys fitting together as well as we do. The importance that we all have on family, I think, is one of the things that brings us together because we both care about our families individually and we both care about each other's families. And I think that's that's one thing that uh, will continue to bring us together. So we'll have to have you again on the show. To, yeah, uh, absolutely. Get, get a better gimmick than what's your favorite thing about COVID-19? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, we, we talk about all kinds of stuff, man. Maybe we can ask him how many miles he's run today. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, no, today was a rest day. I did six yesterday, so I'm, I'm resting. Really? God, you're slacking. Yeah. It's rookie numbers, I man. Seriously thought, I seriously thought you were about to say, oh, today was a rest day. I did six. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I did ten and a half on on Sunday, and did a workout Monday, uh, and so uh, six miles yesterday. I actually, listened to y'all's podcast while I was running yesterday, and then uh, I tomorrow I'm gonna hit a speed workout. Friday will be a, a strength workout, and then Saturday will be another long run. I'm getting about twenty five miles per week right now. That's light. So. Of course, you're not training for an international stage, right? <laughs> yeah, there's a you know. I mean, that's that's not till October, so if, we'll be, if we'll it happens be, uh, you know. towards the end of the second wave by then, won't we? I hope so. <laughs> Unless they shut us down again. Oh, uh, 
Oh man. I'm not even going to talk politics. Not doing it today. No, no. This, this whole thing was a break from all of that. No contentious (laughs) topics. It's just public school education. That's all. (laughs) Oh, I hadn't even gotten into my philosophy of education yet. All right. Well, maybe that's what we'll have to have you on uh, down yeah. the line to, to talk about okay. education yeah. more broadly. And, and oh, that's gonna be fun. Oh yeah, you can already tell. Just the gray in your beard tells me you got a lot to say. <laughs> I got, I got a lot to say, man. <laughs> yeah, sure. What's crazy is I may be having more than KC at this point up here uh, too. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, mine's shorter. See, that's why I'm mine's far away shorter. from the camera. You can't see mine. <laughs> We'll have to compare oh the gosh. first time we're back at church together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, have your wife say again, I didn't realize Casey was so much shorter than you. She says uh-huh. that so often. It Every time. Me Every time. <laughs> I'm like, baby, he's a lot taller I'll than I'll go give her a hug and just put my hands over her head. <laughs> <laughs> That's my wife, dude. Nicole's a good five inches. She's taller than Ashley. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's been fun, guys. I'm going to go ahead and call it a night. Um, I, I think we all probably need to. It's it's getting late. Uh, thanks, yeah. Casey, for, for making the time. Uh, I know your your week's crazy, just like all of ours is, and we appreciate your time being on with us. Uh, for those of you who stuck it out with us this long, thanks for listening. Uh, once again, facebook.com slash APT podcast. Uh, like, share, and subscribe on iTunes. Give us five-star reviews, all that good stuff. Tell your friends about us or, you know, keep us to yourselves. Either way, just keep listening, and thanks for listening. Y'all have a good night. (laughs) And we can stop it there. Cut!